Welcome back to the Raider Report podcast. My name is Nick Benvenuto. I'm the news editor for The Guardian here at Wright State. Today, we're joined by Claire O'Toole, social media assistant. Hi, guys. And we also have Jamie Naylor, a political writer for us. Hello there. So, guys, this is episode 10. I'm so excited that we have made it thus far. Wow. Um, This is something that, you know, coming into working at The Guardian that I really always wanted to do. Um, podcasting is something that I'm very passionate about and something that I want to continue to do the rest of my life. So I just wanted to go ahead and give a shout out to everybody that's listened, um, you know, to any of the episodes, maybe all of the episodes, if we have people that are following us along pretty well, I just, it really does just mean a lot to me. Um, and I know it means a lot to the other people that have been on the episodes with us as well and to everybody at the guardian. So, um, here at the beginning of the episode, I just wanted to go ahead and give everybody a big shout out and say, thank you so much. Um, it really does mean a lot. Um, today's episode, I really want to talk about the crazy week that we just had. Um, this was one of the most uh, busy, um, exciting, crazy weeks of my life, um, especially working as a writer and as an editor um, for a publication with the election and you know doing the live coverage and everything. So I really want to do a, a deep dive on what that day was like for not only myself, but for Claire and Jamie as well. Um, so let's go ahead and get everything started. So, Claire, I wanted to go ahead and talk to you first. Um, Go ahead and tell us a little bit about, um, you know, what Election Day was like for you. How did it start? What did you do throughout the day? Um, And yeah, go ahead and give us a little overview. Sure. So I did not start working on election stuff with the social media team until about five o'clock in the afternoon. But uh, I will say the whole day was filled with a lot of anticipation and excitement, of course, and just what's going on. And that feeling of what's going on definitely continued for the whole week. So unfortunately, there was no resolution there. Um, But when I got to the office at about nine, um, it was uh, great energy. Uh, people were having a lot of fun. We did uh, some social media updates. Some states started uh, getting results in, which Kenzie, our editor-in-chief, had told us that it might take a while. It might be hours before any state submitted anything. So I thought that was really cool. I was able to feel more hopeful and productive and we had snacks, and it was it was great to do together. We uh, got, I believe, the most clicks on our page that we've gotten all semester. So that was really fun towards the end of the night. Awesome. Um, I know you said you didn't start until about five o'clock. What was your what was your uh, Tuesday? You know, during the day, like, were you paying oh. attention to anything that was going on on the news, or what was your voting experience like? Uh, it was fine. I didn't pay a whole lot of attention, just texts with family and friends, uh, Facebook, which is uh, a sinkhole and a great waste of time, as you probably know. Um, and, <laughs> you know, yeah. And, uh, yeah, so absolutely. I just, uh, it was kind of a regular day. 
because I knew that the night was going to be so busy, I think mm-hmm. that uh, if I hadn't been hadn't had that to look forward to, I probably would have been a lot busier with lunch and stuff during the day. But no, it was just normal. Yeah, Jamie, what about you? What was your Tuesday like? Yeah, well, this election has been much anticipated for me, especially as a political writer. I've been covering a lot of the debates, the town halls. So it was a lot of anticipation. I started covering the actual vote tallies in the newsroom at about 6 p.m. on Tuesday. And there was definitely a lot of energy, especially as vote tallies started to come in, not only for the national election, but I was watching the House and the Senate as well. Uh, so it was definitely a much, much um, build up to to that time. Oh, yeah, uh, there for was sure. Great, yeah, there was great energy and just I feel like the whole nation just kind of took a deep breath in. And then on Saturday when the when we had more final results, just took a deep breath out um, mm-hmm. as a whole. Jamie, I think during the week we started exhaling a few times and then we went, oh, never mind. Yes, I can I can definitely, definitely feel that, especially when key swing states like Michigan and Wisconsin were called. Mm-hmm. It's just like deep breath out and then back in. Yeah, I can go ahead and say for myself, this was by far the most involved that I've ever been in any election cycle. This is not my first time voting by any means. Um, some of you may know I'm a little bit older than a lot of the people that work at The Guardian. I'm 27, so I've had the opportunity to vote um, in a couple elections now. But the amount of detail that I was paying attention to and you know, watching the news constantly and um, just being really involved with The Guardian and everybody that we work with just gave me a, a, a whole new perspective um, on the election in general and the um, the sense of community that I felt, you know, with everybody at the Guardian, it was really cool. Um, a lot of the times, I feel like throughout the week, that you know, the newsroom will be doing will be doing one thing. The social media, you guys are doing something else. Political people, you guys are doing something else. Um, and you know, we're working on it and getting better at it. You know, coming together and working as a team throughout the week. But I, I really do feel like this was like the first time where I really got to see everybody. Um, you know, truly working together as a team, helping each other out with numbers, being interactive and involved, you know, throughout the day and throughout the couple of days, honestly, that that preceded the um, the actual election. So it was it was just a really cool experience for me. Um, and I feel like we gained a lot of um, a lot of knowledge, you know, as a team on how to communicate and how to work together, you know, better moving forward. Um, I just I felt like it was really, really cool. Jamie, I know that you said earlier before we started the podcast that you did not actually get the chance to vote this year because you're still not old enough. So looking at, looking at it from um, from somebody that was not able to vote and not 18 yet, you know, what what were some of the things that you saw in this election that make you excited, you know, looking forward to your first chance um, at getting to vote? Yeah, well, you know, I'm a freshman in college, right? And this is actually my first uh, semester at The Guardian. Um, So I definitely think there were a lot of just different exciting pieces that gave me a new experience and new perspective uh, about elections. And also this was my first election I professionally covered. 
Uh, so wow. I was just very excited, like you were saying, about this sense of community, about how this is one event everyone from all different areas and expertise can kind of rally behind. Uh, mm-hmm. So that is definitely something I look forward to. And also just how excited and enthusiastic people are about our country and our democratic process and our democratic systems. Uh, that made me very hopeful for when I do get the chance to vote next. Absolutely. Claire, what were some of the things that that um, that you found to be exciting or shocking about this election season um, from your perspective? Oh my goodness. Well, how long do we have, Nick? Because I have a <laughs> No. Um, So, well, first of all, what uh, you were saying is that we learned a lot about communication. And Jamie was saying we learned a lot about the democratic process. I learned a lot from Jamie and Jackson, who's our other political writer, in the days leading up to the election, on the election, like when predictions would be made, I would be able to say, well, how does that work? Or why if such a candidate gets this state, why is he in better shape than this candidate? And I thought that that was really cool. Um, A lot of uh, tension and excitement. This was my first time voting. Mm-hmm. And I think that I would, I did an absentee ballot. And I think I probably still would have done one if mm-hmm. it were not for the coronavirus. I know some people chose to go that route, but I'm not uh, originally from here. So I probably still would have done absentee but it just felt like a safer way to go um it was uh it was an important election for me and in in many ways it was um powerful and i just felt like i was ready to vote last time i just turned 18 uh, i was a freshman uh 2016 and uh so i i didn't feel ready at that time but this one i was like no i i gotta vote and then i think it was kenzie that said, hey, who wants to help out on election night? And I'm like, yes, because I really felt like I got to be part of the process. And that was really cool. Yeah, absolutely. Was it the coronavirus concerns in general that that kind of made you lean towards the absentee? Um, or was there something else that kind of made you want to, you know, just not go in person? I know that there was a lot of a lot of feelings of um, how do I put this? A lot of a lot of people were scared. I know a lot of people you know, as I read and I, I saw things online, a lot of people were not very confident in going to vote in person because of, um, I think, some of the, the remarks and comments um, that, that President Trump had made in the days and weeks leading up to um, the election as far as, you know, he wanted his supporters to, to, be, um, to, make, to make sure that things were going, you know, the way that they were supposed to be going and all these things that I think that kind of turned people away from, from voting in person. So was it was it that or was it, you know, just the coronavirus concerns, you know, not being from this area that you just like, OK, I'm still going to do my thing. But I want to I want to take the absentee ballot route versus going in person. Well, you know, that is interesting. And I'm glad that I am now uh, just considering this in hindsight. Right. Because if you had told me this before, I would have been like, oh, and I was planning to go. I might have been like, huh, not a good idea. <laughs> but um, no, I it was. uh originally because I'm from out of town and then just COVID, it just seemed like the wise idea. So I didn't have a whole lot of concern. I definitely felt like it was more private and more personal. Um, it wasn't going to be public. No one was going to know what I was doing. If I needed time, I could take time. So 
Yeah, that's a little bit of that. That's the logistics. I want to just jump in here real quick. Um, Nick, you were saying how uh, so many people felt that they couldn't vote in person because of voter mm-hmm. intimidation and, mm-hmm. you know, the pandemic. And I wrote a whole article about voter suppression. But it was amazing to see that this year there was, you know, over 159.8 million people voted, which is mm-hmm. some of the highest record voter turnout um, in, you know, the couple the last couple decades. Um mm-hmm. So it was interesting to see how passionately people felt about the election, that they kind of put away the coronavirus concerns, they put away the voter intimidation, were able to go out and have their voices heard this year. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that really speaks to, um, you know, the the emotions and the feelings that that citizens here in the United States had leading up to this election. This is this is the most powerful election that I have experienced, um, you know, in my adult years. Like I said, I'm 27, so I've seen a couple elections happen. I have never seen so many people this passionate, you know, one way or the other on the Republican side of things, on the Democratic side of things. Um, this is by far a historic moment for me, and I think for a lot of people. I will never forget the not only the the 2020 election, but the 2016 election as well. I think that's where it really started, um, and over the past four years. You know, things have happened in this country that have just amplified people's emotions and feelings towards certain policies and, and towards the way that this country is run. Um, and I think that we got to see that all unfold on Election Day. Um, you know, I remember being there. It, I think it was probably about one or two o'clock in the morning when I was looking at, um, you know, the numbers coming in and I'm constantly updating everything. I was for those of you who don't know, I was in charge of doing the national coverage um, for the live election coverage that we did on the Guardian website. So I was doing the House of Representatives. I was doing the Senate count. I was updating the map. I was, you know, paying attention to um, which candidate won each state and updating those and those numbers as well. So just watching all of those numbers come in and seeing, you know, the fluctuation and, okay, Trump's got this many, Biden's got this many, and then just seeing the sheer total numbers come in, that was just mind-blowing to me. I remember when it first started, um, one of the first numbers I paid attention to, because like I said, I, I started at midnight. So there was the whole group of people that was working from six to 12. And then I came in um, from 12 until six the following morning. So when I came in, the numbers were already pretty high. And I remember sitting down and I'm thinking, oh my gosh, you know, Biden and Trump, both of them already have an upwards of 40 million votes, you know, per side. I'm like, holy cow, the American people are really coming out and letting their voice be heard. So it was really cool to see that. And I hope that moving forward, Um, people do stay engaged in what happens in this country. Um, One of the things that I was worried about coming into this election was, you know, a large group of people um, on social media um, and people that you might know it, you know, as your friends and family that just felt like this year they didn't want to vote and they didn't want to go out because, you know, they felt like their voice was not going to be heard and that there was all this talk of like, you know, voter fraud and all of this stuff going on that, like you said, Jamie, was yeah, in hindsight, probably just voter in- intimidation. Um, and it's good to see that people, you know, despite what they were hearing and some of the the nervousness that they might have felt, they still got out there, got their voices heard, um, you know, and did their due diligence in casting their votes. Well, I think that says a lot about us as a country. Um, just that that thing right there, and that we were able to go out and 
got out the vote, I think that people are very passionate, and that really says something about America, that even during a pandemic, we're still going to vote, and we're still going to do the democratic process, and we're all going to step up and do this together, so it spoke a lot about it. Yeah, and I know uh, you both mentioned the pandemic, and Nick, you mentioned history, and I think this election is one of the most historic elections ever, uh, because we are in a global pandemic, and, you know, we broke uh, record-breaking voter turnout numbers, you know, Uh, Biden Mm -hmm. got the most popular votes in, you know, three quarters of a century. Um, Also on the history-wise, now that we do have a president-elect and vice president-elect, you know, the vice president-elect is the first woman and first, you know, woman of color uh, to hold that uh, vice president-elect spot. So this is definitely, as you mentioned, a historic election in that in which America is showing its true colors as a democracy and people are showing their true colors as American citizens. And I think that is really great and really positive and hopeful for this country. A lot of moments this year have uh, shown Americans' true colors, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And speaking to Vice President-elect Kamala Harris, like you were talking about being the first um, you know, African-American woman um, and first woman in general that's going to be holding you know, that position of vice president, um, I, just, I think that that is going to do so much good, um, for, not only for the country as a whole, but for young women in particular who might be looking up thinking, you know, you know there's all these, um, these hurdles and challenges that we have to overcome being women in this country. Um, and I think that that is just going to, you know, propel, propel women in this country even further and show these, you know, these young women across the country that anything is possible and that if you put your mind to it, you can't accomplish anything that you want to do. Um, so yeah, absolutely. I most wholeheartedly agree with that. And not only that we have a president, a vice president like Kamala Harris, but the fact that so many minorities one house seats, um, either in the House of Representatives or the state houses, um, that will also have a huge impact on uh, the feminist movement, the LGBTQA plus movement, the Black Lives Matter movement, just having people that represent more of the true American population in office is definitely going to do a great service to this nation. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. I'm, I'm just, I'm happy and I'm excited looking forward um, to see, you know, what's, what's going to come not only in the coming days and weeks, but in the coming years um, under this new administration that we will get to see. One of the things that I heard Joe Biden talk about often um, as he was campaigning was, you know, you know, political affiliation aside, I will be a president for all Americans. And I think that that's very powerful. Um, in a number of ways, but one of the ways that it sticks out to me is bringing everybody together. Um, the divide that we have seen in this nation over the past couple years, um, you know, and you can even go back a decade, you say the past 10 years, um, you know, we have seen this growing and growing divide amongst different groups in this country and, you know, people not having the um, ability to sit down and have conversations and have the hard talks and honestly try to get to know each other on their side. So 
Um, I think that having a president, you know, such as Joe Biden, hopefully we'll be able to see some sort of unity um, start to grow in this country. Um, that's one of the things that I'm, you know, most looking forward to is, you know, hopefully under this new administration, we'll be able to have sides that will start to be unified. Um, what are some of the things that you guys are most excited for looking forward um, now that this election season is over and we do have our winners announced? Um, what are some of the things that you guys are most excited for and are going to be paying attention to under this new administration? Well, I'll just say that I am quite excited about a few things. Uh, minority representation, I already mentioned, but I am definitely uh, excited for the climate. Uh, you know, Joe Biden has said oftentimes that he would rejoin the Paris Climate Agreement and walk towards more of a green infrastructure. So I definitely think he will hopefully uh, make good on his promises and, and help the climate. Um, also, I think we were mentioning and talking about this earlier, just the restoration uh, back to democracy and decency, especially among our allies. Uh, when he was announced as as president-elect, you know, leaders from Britain, uh, Great Britain and Paris and France um, were all very happy that they had a steady ally back again and that they were hopeful that, you know, democracy would turn, return uh, back to the presidency and just decency and that hopefully will be able to heal uh, our nation and work with others and through these times. Absolutely. I think for myself, um, one of the big things that I learned about this summer um, because of the riots, protests, and the police brutality um, is this idea of white privilege that we all have and this, or that the three of us have. And this idea of what it is and what it means. And I definitely thought that um, having Joe Biden be our president is definitely going to change that, not immediately. Um, I don't mean that. We have a lot of uh, centuries of damage to undo. But I think that um, that was one of the things that struck me, even as uh, a Caucasian person, um, that I, I like how Joe's going to reach out to those folks. Uh, and he mentioned that in his uh, speech, and so did Kamala Harris. I also think that this is going to be a great opportunity for uh, people with disabilities, with chronic illnesses. And I say that as someone with a disability myself, and I think that Affordable Care Act and Obamacare and all of that um, really sets up a good precedent for people like me who have those uh underlying conditions um mm -hmm. so i was just doing the math on this and i'm 22 right now and so with um this healthcare plan that biden's gonna bring back you can stay on your parents health insurance since we're 26 well mm -hmm. once when he's done with the office i will be 26 so that was kind of cool to me to see that come to fruition. So those two things I would say were what I was most excited about. Yeah, for sure, Claire, for sure. We were talking about coronavirus earlier mm -hmm. and uh, just how Joe Biden is saying that, that Monday, so tomorrow, 
we're gonna uh, get a plan together. He's gonna get scientists on this. It's it was definitely uh, refreshing to see that uh, attitude from him and to say, you know, I'm not even technically the president yet, and I already want to get a jump on this. I thought that was really cool and important. Yeah, absolutely. I completely agree with that. Also, I know another thing he mentioned in his speech last night was that he was going to work with governors uh, across the nation, no matter if they were red states or blue states, to try and uh, get this pandemic under control on his first day in office. Um, and I think that is something that we haven't seen from Trump uh, the these past uh, couple months here. Um, is his inability to concede a a solid plan to work with the states. So I definitely think Joe Biden's plan to really consolidate uh, policies on coronavirus, that brings a lot of hope uh, to a lot of people. And that's, I think, like the focal point of what he was basically running on is, you know, keep the hope, keep the faith. Um, So it's cool to see that, you know, the words that he's been running on and the words that he's been telling the American people, um, you know, ever since he decided that he was going to run, he's already proving to us that he's going to do his best to stick by those words. And I think that that'll go a very long way over the course of, you know, his presidency and his administration as well. Um, and it also sets up the president or the presidents, um, you know, for the people that are working with him to do the same thing. Um, one of the biggest things about being a leader in anything that you're doing is leading by example, right? So if we have Joe Biden that comes in and says, you know, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do this, and then he backs it up with action, that's only going to propel the people around him and the people that he is surrounded by to do the exact same thing, which is only going to be a positive thing for this country, in my opinion. So one of the the last things that I wanted to talk about is, you know, we kind of mentioned it earlier in the podcast as well, is the the divide that that does exist in our country. Um, so moving past this election, moving forward, um, I want to get your guys' take on this. Do you guys think that Joe Biden will be able to to shrink the divide that we that we do see from the from both sides of the the Democrats and the Republicans in this country? Well, not on his own, certainly, um, and not quickly. But uh, yes, I think I think that we're seeing a positive trend starting with the Biden administration, but. Mm-hmm. To say that he himself is going to be able to do it, um, I would say no. I, I don't think one person. I think it's a group effort and mm-hmm. an accumulation of uh, laws and standards over time. I agree, Claire. I agree. I agree with you, Claire, too. I definitely don't think uh, he will be able to do it alone nor quickly, but I definitely feel that it's going to take a lot of will from the different facets of America to actually want to come together, to want to sit down at the table and talk with each other. And I feel like we have seen a lot of that, especially from minority groups and Democrats who are like, okay, let's sit down and talk about this and a little bit uh, resistance from the other side. But I do feel that Joe Biden will be able to uh, shorten that divide and kind of close that gap. I feel like we have already seen this um, a little bit. Uh, you know, Republican senators and Congress people and high-level Republican Party members have actually 
uh, come out in support of Biden um, and his win. So I feel like we are already starting to kind of see a shift here. Yeah, absolutely. We were talking about uh, Biden and how he makes promises and how we're already seeing uh, a promise uh, mm-hmm. that is being made. And, you know, it, you know, just to kind of go off of what we're talking about, um, it's almost better that he hasn't made a promise. He, he has pushed for unity, restoring the soul of this nation, but he's not saying, okay, by September of next year, we're going to do X, Y, Z, and by the time I leave office, we're going to have this done. He's just saying, in whatever logical step that takes, we're going to restore unity. So I think that that's mm-hmm. another uh, good thing to point out is that he's not making any specific promises. He's just saying, yes, we will restore unity. Absolutely. I couldn't agree more. What do you guys think about the uh, Electoral College? We've talked about that. I know that that's something that is debated. The Electoral College, to me, is something that I'm still learning. Um, It has never really made full sense to me, um, especially when, like in 2016, we saw that the popular vote in the Electoral College did not add up. That is something that always has kind of, like, blown my mind. I've, I've always... You know, when I was growing up and I didn't know a lot about politics, I thought that that's how the system worked. You had everybody goes and votes. Whoever gets the most votes wins. Um, so I think that it's it's a very different system. Um, I think it worked out as it was supposed to in this election cycle, for sure. Um, and the popular vote and the Electoral College, you know, ended up adding up. Um, so I think in this election cycle, it, it made sense. Um, but in the past, I have kind of wondered as to, you know, why... Why Why does this exist? I don't know if anybody else shares those same kind of feelings. Yeah, so I just did a whole article about the Electoral College as well. And I spoke to two different professors here at Wright State that had two very different uh, perspectives on the Electoral College. Uh, Professor Liam Anderson had the opinion that the Electoral College is antiquated that it really doesn't work as a system anymore. Um, And Professor Sean Wilson said that the Electoral College is too hard to get rid of, so we should simply keep it, and that it works most of the time. So I feel like the majority of the population is like you, Nick, um, that they don't really know a lot about it and if they do they it's confusing to them and there's no real clear message just from hearing the arguments um from both sides and researching extensively into this topic i do personally think that the electoral college could use reform uh because you know as we saw in 2016 there are times where the electoral college doesn't always go Uh, the way the popular vote does. And, you know, if we are going to call ourselves a republic, you know, I feel like the people's voices should be heard uh, the most in the end. However, I understand uh, now the set amount of complications uh, we would have to go through to abolish the Electoral College. And one of the arguments um, instead of abolishing it, is just instating a uh, winner-take-all system in every single state. Well, Sean Wilson pointed out that 
you know, that would be not be beneficial because there are some states uh, who have smaller populations and they would be overrepresented and then the largest states would be underrepresented. Um, they are, there's a system currently like that in the state you want to take our system would just reinforce that. Um, so I definitely think we need to talk about the electoral college more and come up with ways as a nation, as ways uh, that we can reform it effectively and um, see what we can do on that end uh, to still respect the founding fathers, but update it to our needs here and now in 2020. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that that's, it goes along with the, the line of thinking that a lot of Americans have and that they have voiced this opinion of, you know, and I kind of talked about it earlier. It's like, does my vote actually count? Because you'll have instances where, you know, you'll have the popular vote will, will show one thing, but then the electoral college will give it to the other candidate. And you have a lot of people who are like, well, see, my vote doesn't even count anyway. So why do I, why do I even want to go vote if the electoral college is going to determine, you know, the, you know, the outcome of the election? So I, I do think that I agree with you that it does need some sort of reform and that it might be a dated system. Um, as far as completely abolishing it, I don't know. I don't know how that would work, and I don't know what would go in its place. Um, I was gonna say I don't know of any good alternatives, and it works sometimes. Yeah, so I exactly. Jamie, I think reform is more. If we're gonna do anything, it should be reform rather than abolish. Because I, again, and this was the only election, the first election I've watched real closely. This time it went well, but last time it went horribly. So. Yep. And it's one of those things where you look at it and you're like, you know, the fate of the country, do we want a system in place that works sometimes? Or do we want to try to get to a point to where we have a system that works, you know, all the time? Because at least for me, you know, when you're talking about the fate of an entire country, I think that we should at least strive and work towards having a system that works all of the time. Having something that only works sometimes and, you know, even even if you say it works most of the time. To me, that's a little bit scary um, because, you know, as we have seen in previous elections, things can happen to where civil unrest and, you know, people just are outraged at the system and they don't understand it. And then that can lead to them not wanting to participate in future elections. So I do agree that something does need to be reformed. Um, as far as abolishing, I, it, I, I would have to see something that would um, a plan that would take its place that would make sense. But I do lean towards the side of, you know, we do need to we do need to do something just because, you know, when you're talking about the fate of a country, you want something that works all the time. You don't want something that's that's going to work sometimes. That's just a scary line of thinking to me. You know, I'd be real interested uh, to see uh, in voters that think that they we should abolish um, is what they would do, you know, if they have any good ideas, because maybe they have a better system and not not in a snarky way like well fine you figure it out but in in a way of like well no what would you do and then we can kind of listen to those people and say oh maybe there's a good system instead of just trying to completely go back to square one go back to the people that want to abolish the electoral college and say okay what what do you want to do mm-hmm well, I know I was talking about this earlier, but I was talking to Professor Anderson and his suggestion for abolishing 
electoral college was just go back to more of a European style system where it's just a simple straight popular vote mm-hmm. um, as they have in Europe and most other countries. Um, I also want to go back to the fact that, you know, in the system, some people don't feel like their voices matter and like their vote counts. But mm-hmm. what I have been finding out in my research on these topics is that uh, sometimes your vote may not count in this flawed uh, electoral college system we, ha- uh, we have um, on a national sense, but all votes count um, on a local sense. And, you know, in the end, he, uh, where we live here right now, uh, who we put into office, what levies we pass, uh, those are direct popular votes. So, and that matters greatly because, you know, if a vote has a pothole in it, that is going to affect your everyday commute. You know, those are the local issues that are going to affect you here and now. So I think to kind of stem people's fears and kind of frustrations that, you know, our electoral system is flawed and that the vote doesn't count, I feel like we can reassure them a bit that, you know, your vote absolutely 100% counts um, in your local area and in your local elections. And those elections will uh, impact you on the day-to-day basis. But Mm -hmm. yes, as I said before, I do think that we need to work together and explore different options for the electoral college. Absolutely. Well, I think we have covered just about every topic that we wanted to talk about today. Um, I want to go ahead and take this time to thank absolutely everybody who has participated in this podcast, who listens to this podcast. Once again, this is our 10th episode, and I am just extremely excited about it. Can't say that enough. Um, Jamie, thank you for coming in, and this is your first episode of a podcast ever, so I think you did a fantastic job. Thank you so much for joining us today and giving your insight and your knowledge on this election cycle and in politics in general. Claire, thank you so much for, you know, bringing your insights and um, and your opinions to the table as well. It's always great talking with you on a weekly basis. I do appreciate it. Um, and we will be back next week, guys, with episode 11. Um, we will probably have a special guest on once again. So be on the lookout for that. Check all of our social medias at WSU Guardian. That's Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, Instagram, YouTube. We are all over the place, guys. So be on the lookout for new content that comes out daily um, and your right source of news. Thank you so much again for listening, and we will see you next week. Bye, guys. Bye, guys. See you next week. Thank you for having me.